in nine, 10 years, there's never been one, you know, moment where we fought like not once. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. I never thought about that. Yeah. I, just, I, had until I just said that at my 10 year old boy this morning and I've never yelled at you. It's wild. Yeah. We've, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I hadn't thought of that until I was just saying, like, we've never had a shout at each other. Like we just don't do it. We just talk. We're all coming from some place, right? And we both have our goals are 100% aligned. We might have different mm -hmm. ways of how we see that happening, but we want the exact same thing. Welcome to the Founders Journey Podcast. Inspiration, education for founders by founders. Welcome back to Founders Journey Podcast here with uh, Peter Dean, my co-host. Welcome back. Hey guys, how's it going? First time with four people on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of great guests today. We're talking about co-founder relationships, venture studio concepts, so really interesting stuff. I want to welcome uh, Elijah Shaw and Eric Colbert uh, today, founders of Spark Six. So we're gonna let those guys uh, we're gonna let those guys explain what that is and Vouch Vault, another spin-off that they've got going and their experiences working together. So uh, Elijah, Eric, welcome. Tell us about how you started Spark Six. I know um elijah started it i get that right and then eric you came on later why don't you give us the story of how that all happened i had a brutal business uh in the space of energy drinks and weird snacks where we would take items from popular culture and bring them onto retail shelves so an example like a little mana potion from video games or this fake blood concoction um Anyways, just advice to founders out there. Uh, if you're thinking about starting something, maybe don't like start in the food space stuff where you have the FDA knocking on your door and <laughs> pallets of expiring ingredients and complex supply chains. I just want to, um, I just want to, want to clear from what you're selling blood. Selling blood. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, quick, quick, quick story on that before we get into the current stuff. Uh, we had this we had this company that started with the one idea of taking items from the World of Warcraft video game where they had 15 million kids playing this thing, very familiar with all the things that gave them magical powers inside the game and thought, hey, they're staying up all night playing. They're part of these guilds that require them to uh, go at this for 40 hours a week, right? Like a job on top of a job, drinking energy drinks all the time. Why don't we package these things in the containers that they're used to seeing in the game? and double the caffeine. It's a great idea. <laughs> what, could, what could go wrong? Uh, I, I know nothing about this space. And so we, so we did it. And this was pre-Facebook ad platform. Uh, we had to get really creative on just the content that we created and put out there as to what would attract these kinds of people that would be interested in these kinds of products one of the first Shopify stores. So long story short, I, I, I hated the experience of uh, having all of those consumable goods and the regulatory that goes along with it and dealing with uh, yeah, big retailers who don't pay their invoices and all that other fun stuff. But the digital part was really fun. And uh, the irony was that uh, I didn't come out of that and start a marketing agency, even though most of that experience from that company was marketing, but I had a friend at the time who was just coming out of uh, eBay as a product manager, had a ton of relationships there, and uh, told me something that I didn't know, which was even a big company like eBay is constantly bogged down with new product development workflows they have to take on where their business unit is completely underwater as far as capacity, and they bring in agencies all the time to build product, to build software. 
And so that was that was how we got started. We 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 started just taking on tons of eBay work. I think all in all we did something like 40 jobs for them or so and they actually were trying to catch up to Amazon at the time with their little uh, greenwashing checkbox of, hey, there's Amazon Smile that's doing good, so we'll have eBay Giving Works, and oh, there's a sustainability angle here, so we'll start eBay Green. And we got involved in all those projects and quickly found that we actually really liked this work of leveraging technology to just better the human condition. And we could do it under this umbrella of all these eBay projects. eBay then acquired a company called Mission Fish, which would vet these different nonprofits and for-cause companies, I think to the tune of about 20,000 of them. We're talking about a, a ton of these companies just to make sure that what was happening on the platform as far as these things that were getting charitable donations were on the up and up. And so as we got into that work, we got known as this little boutique agency that would do a solid for the nonprofits and forecast companies that didn't have the, the big funds of these other ventures. And the more we did it, the more we loved the work. And then uh, it just one thing turned into another and it spread out into servicing all sorts of companies. But again, not to be confused with how everybody thinks of an agency, which is, hey, how are you going to spend my Facebook ad money? We build stuff. So, you know, you need a website, you need a mobile app, uh, you need a piece of custom enterprise software. We do everything from the interaction design to visual design to the actual engineering and development. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean, the whole thing comes out of, comes out of this, basically you guys stumble into this market with eBay and just start building, building from there. I mean, that's, it's kind of like that. I mean, that's, that story we, you know, we hear so often, right, from founders, it's like, you just get this really super narrow niche, right? And then it just starts. Right. Kind of, you, know, find, you find a client that justifies a business, right? Right. And then you see all these other opportunities for that business. And right. it's a great way to start a company because it doesn't often require outside funding. You may have some cash flow crunches here and there when, uh, you know, accounts payable is located in India and you need to hire somebody just to get paid. Like, you know, every agency owner has that story. But at the same time, uh, it's 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 really deal flow that slows down an early stage company. Where's that Where's that revenue going to come from? And then you're yep. stuck in these cycles of raising outside money, and that just was never an issue for us. That's right. Yeah, and, and when you don't have to create it from scratch, right? You don't have to create the pipeline from scratch. It's just kind of developing on its own because of that niche. Yeah, it's, absolutely. You guys started building out Spark Six. You've been building it for a while. It's been ten years or so. Thirteen. Right? 13 years. Okay. 13 years. So almost ashamed to say that because it makes me feel 13 years older. <laughs> I stopped worrying about that a while ago. I got to year right. 14 in my life. <laughs> you just stop counting. I think it's, uh, I think at some point um, you start talking in decades, right? It's like, eh, I mean, uh, around 10 years, right? It'll stay that way for a while. So you guys have been <laughs> building this and then, uh, you know, but I, I think one of the things that Eric and I were talking about that's really interesting is you've kind of, these are my words. I know not your words, but you've sort of kind of built this as almost like a venture studio concept now, right? Where, I mean, you're sort of stumbling into these new areas that, that, you know, where you guys can say, Hey, maybe there's a product here. Maybe we go spin this out. Was yeah. that, it, it, I mean, talk, talk about that. Some of those spinoffs. I know there's one in particular that's super cool that, uh, that uh, you've been working on, but before you kind of tell us about that, was that the strategy? That you guys, I mean, was that the strategy or just something you just kind of? Yeah, not really. Said, hey. 
I, I now, say the strategy was there was no strategy except to just do client work and you know uh, do the best job that we could. But I, I think what invariably ends up happening if you are a tech dork working on tech stuff all the time is you 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 discover some sort of a need that you personally have that nobody else is going to fulfill, and so you just build it and. We've done that several times over. Sometimes it's just a fun internal tool, like a little bot we get to use. Uh, other times it gets spun off into its own entity, uh, sold off. And so that's where the venture studio part comes in. I don't think we ever planted a flag and said, oh, we're going to be an agency and a venture studio. Right. Uh, but it is just one of my pet peeves of, uh, and you know, this this last one that we'll talk about that you know, I'll let, I'll let Eric go into. I think we tried to talk several other people into doing this and we just, <laughs> we just couldn't. I mean, it's not like an, none of this stuff is easy to build. This one was particularly difficult to build, but uh, being, being in the agency game for products, uh, we have this even blend of very big fortune 500 clients. And then a lot of people who come to us with ideas on napkins and say, Hey, can we have 15 minutes to just talk about this idea? Uh, and in that 15 minutes, you find out they have no money whatsoever. They mm -hmm. haven't raised money and they want to do an equity deal, like build mm -hmm. this and we'll give you, you know, like half the ownership to which right. our response is usually, well, that's kind of an interesting idea. Maybe, I don't know, but we have a hundred ideas of our own that we can't get to. So I'm sorry, we can't do that, but Hey, you know what, since we have a hundred ideas, why don't, we, why don't you just build one of ours? And right. <laughs> maybe we'd be interested in that equity deal because we want to see this thing get out there. And we couldn't talk anybody into this last one. So we just built it ourselves. <laughs> Tell us about Vouchful. Yeah. So, yeah. So my, just to rewind just real briefly. So I came into Spark 6 about 10 years ago. Um, I was coming off an acquisition and I was in a space that was more analogous to Eli's experience in the food and beverage. I was a, had a global sourcing and manufacturing company. So that was uh, finally absorbed by a, a parent company that had an interest in us. And, you know, I had no digital experience. Um, you know, I never ran an agency before, but I had a personal relationship with Eli prior to, to joining Spark 6 and, uh, you know, they were looking for a COO and someone to help them with growth and all sorts of stuff that, you know, I thought I could help with. And um, just the way the things turned out, his other co-founder was looking to kind of move back home, start a family. And so um, I just quickly ended up um, buying out the other co-founder. So we've been um, co-founders or excuse me, partners at Spark6 for the past decade now. And uh, so, yeah, Vouchvault came about, you know, as Eli was mentioning, you know, we did try and have other people maybe take it off our hands. And uh, this was definitely like a scratch our own itch kind of a, a product. So I'm very much a list guy. You know, I have list of lists. Um, but before I had Vouch Vault in particular for things that I wanted to try. So I'd be having coffee with a friend or whatnot. And they say, hey, Eric, you watch that Beckham documentary. I, I know you played soccer and it was really well done. So I would write that down on my list of documentaries. And then I'd be listening to a podcast and they'd mention a book that sounded really right up my alley. So I'd write that in my book you know, lists. So I had all these different, you know, disparate lists and I was really just annoyed with the process. Not that I couldn't have kept up with it, but I'm like, this is just not a great way to keep track of things that like, I really want to try that people took the time maybe to recommend to me or, or whatnot. So, you know, on the surface, it's a utility. So you have your own private try vault. These are the things that, you know, you've heard about, or people have told you about that you actually want to try to help, you know, enhance your life, right? Books, movies, TV shows, it could be an Airbnb. It might be a hike in Maui. It could be an electrician, a plumber, like all those services as well. And so, you know, that's kind of half of the, the product. And then when I brought the, the idea to Eli, 
And he's like, well, that's great, but I'd, I'm not really interested in just building a utility. Not only is it hard to monetize, you know, we have right. these anecdotes from like Evernote, which is just purely a utility. They've had a tough time out there in the market space. Um, and Eli is a very, you know, brilliant creative. And so he took kind of this surfacey utility, you know, type of a concept and really put it on steroids because he's, you know, and I am too, we're always into different stuff, like different activities. It might be MMA or surfing or mountain biking or road racing. And when you get into a new interest, there's always this, you know, just a whole mess of things that are surrounding that interest. It might be, um, you know, movies and TV shows and books, of course, but there's also products and services. And so like, you know, we just both hit on like, it'd be nice to have a cheat sheet. If I could just peer inside the brain of my best buddy, who's been, you know, surfing for 10 years, like, I can just go to him and say, what wetsuit should I buy and what leash and what, what's, what surf camp should I be at? So that was kind of the mashup of what's become VouchVault. So it's a, it's a way to easily share, keep track of, and discover recommendations from your inner circle. And this is as opposed to what we've all known and done in the past is going to strangers on Yelp and Rotten Tomatoes and TripAdvisor and literally just trusting, you know, completely people that have different, you know, tastes and subjective, you know, opinions on things. So, yeah, we wanted to just take those uh, just small industries head on. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about Vouchfold. Um, yeah, I mean, that, you know, it's a super interesting concept, right? And this is like the essence of the venture studio, I think, concept when we start to look at this. And, you know, I think we all are sort of in that in that boat, right? As founders, of, you've, become, you've become a founder because these things, like everything becomes a business opportunity, you know, and you start to look at this and say, okay, who can... Who can go build this for me? And when, you know, the answer is no one. I love this idea. Like I, you know, I used to race mountain bikes when I lived in California and then I got into road bikes and I got out of mountain bikes for years and I got a mountain bike again. And then I found myself like lost, a little lost. Like, I don't know what the cool stuff is and I'm supposed to wear. I don't know, like, you know, all the things that go around this industry I used to be at the core of. And now I'm like outside. And like, this would be a great place to kind of connect and be like, Hey, like I'd be connecting with Greg's son, who is the one who told me to, to get the current mountain bike. I have him like, Jackson, what should I get? I don't even know what I should be looking for. And, uh, that, you know, this is, this fits that to a T, you know? Yeah. Just to let you know, everybody's wearing thongs now on mountain bikes. <laughs> Next. Awesome. Thank you so it's in much. My, it's in my vouch vault. Next time you show up to a big group ride, just make sure you're Definitely. wearing one. Right Definitely. Now. It's, it's... That, that would be actually great if you guys had like a, you guys had like a, had like a prank version of the, uh, of the list. It's like, yeah, no, what are you doing? No. We actually oh, this one to Peter, right? <laughs> oh, oh, we have oh, we have more dumb ideas for marketing. <laughs> let me let me let me tell if you. You're, if you're this but, is but, like, yeah, it's it's thongs and uh, thongs and, and headbands. They're actually yeah, you should definitely wear a headband. No, no, don't wear a helmet. For you, that that use case that use case you described though, that to me is probably the crux of why I wanted this product was that everybody's got an obsession. I know everybody I know has an obsession. And if I'm going to get into that thing, I just want to get the information from the person who's already obsessed about it, right? Like we're, we're you know, before we went live, we we're talking about podcasting equipment and you've got mixing boxes and microphones and headphones and different software and everything else. The The, the first episode I did on this most recent podcast was this is very meta. Uh, it was a podcaster who's been podcasting for 13 years and it was her just dumping all of her recommendations for podcasting. Yeah. 
And, and, and to me, that's what I want to do when I'm trying to figure out one of these recommendations, as opposed to buying a hundred things from Amazon and returning 99 after I test yeah. them all, right? Or, or reading through hundreds of reviews that I don't even know if they're real or not, or if they're right. paid for, or yeah. I, we, when we were doing our, our market research, I read some banana stuff. It was something like 80% of all Bluetooth electronic items on Amazon have fake reviews at this point, right? Yeah. They've somehow managed to game the system. And it's just, all, so you're not only pouring through all these reviews, but even if you'd assume that everything that you're reading is real, what almost always would end up happening to us is we'd be like, okay, I found the thing that has 5,000 reviews and it's got a four and three quarter star average can't go wrong. I'm like, wow. But with that law of big numbers, you know, somebody had to have brought that average down. And I, I look and I'm like, wow, it's still a couple hundred one-star reviews. And you start reading those, right? right yeah. It just gets in your head. And you're yeah, like, totally. whoa, that microphone. Wow. These are some really heartfelt stories about people that got electrocuted or <laughs> some yeah. awful like personal story. And then I'm like, and I'm back where I started. I don't know what to do. So yeah. the, the whole premise was oh, follow somebody whose taste you trust, who's obsessed with the thing, and just just tell me what to get. Tell yeah. me what to get. Tell me the taco to eat. Tell me the microphone to buy. Tell me the new bike chain to get. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. That's that's what we really wanted to get out in the market. Because these are actual trusted relationships that you're building. Yeah. No yeah. cut corners exactly. and cut costs. And hey, yeah. even if it's not a trusted relationship, the cool thing is that you can peek into somebody's profile and see all the things they, they've recommended. And let's just take media, for example. You know, you might spot uh, two podcasts that you also love. And so then you go to the next line over on media and start looking at the books. Like, oh, wow, this person's into all these marketing podcasts. And oh, I love that book too. And then you see three pieces of media that you've never heard of, right? So there's this whole really cool discovery aspect to it that I love. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's cool. So, so let me ask you, change gears a little bit. I think this business is really cool and how you built it up. And I actually have a very similar story with a similar timeline to you guys or Elijah, definitely. Um, but uh, so I really relate, um, though I didn't have a co-founder. So you guys have this co-founder relationship. What do you think the keys to your success have been and how that has? I know I've had a co-founder in the past, in the last business. And it was challenging and he's still yeah. a really good friend of mine. And we, you know, we went through ups and downs in the relationship, but, uh, you know, I'm really in interested to see what you guys think the success factors are there. We did have a, a mutual respect and a friendship before getting into business together. And I think that goes with any relationship, whether it's a business or a romantic one. Like if there's not a mutual respect, I don't think there's a chance in hell that it's going to be successful because then every little thing is going to eat away at that, you know, from trust to work ethic to even just ideation, right? So if you don't respect the person, it's just going to whittle away. And um, I think we've always had a mutual respect for each other. We've both been single parents, you know, dads at one point or another in our lives. So we've kind of been through, you know, some stuff that we could relate to. Um, and yeah, it just so happens that it's nice that we like each other. We talk, you know, we have a daily standup, you know, every weekday at least. And, um, you know, we, we have a good time and we are trying to support our families. We love entrepreneurism. We love marketing. We love all this stuff. Um, and so we just want to make sure we're kind of both aligned and enjoying the journey. You know, it's, it is 
you know, not about the destination. It's, you know, it's about the, the journey along the way. And I think we both really um, aligned with that. So. I, th I think just entrepreneurship in general is it's hard. It's hard. Like it's, you know, people say, Oh, well, if you just do this and this and this and follow this protocol, no, nah, it's still going to suck. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but you get to choose which kind of hard you want. Being a solopreneur is very difficult as well. Trying to manage a relationship with a co-founder is just hard in a different way. Right. So you get to, you get to pick your hard, but I, I, I think that when you have a business partner, when you have a co-founder, this kind of organic balance starts to surface if it's going to work. And sometimes that means that one person is going to be just, you know, uh, both guns blazing, heads down, hitting it really hard and uh, life happens to the other one and then it switches and then you're both running at it really hard. And it's, it's personally, I sleep better at night knowing that I have that counterpart there uh, because nobody knows what the future holds. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Right. And to, to, to add to that, I think the commonality of being in similar places in life is really helpful. Uh, for example, I've spoken to people who, uh, for example, their co-founder came out of some massive exit where they still wanted to do stuff, but work was kind of optional. They were a bit on the post-economic side, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the other, the other co-founder was super, super hungry and they're equal equity partners. And there's just a difference in energy there with how much heart and soul one of them was willing to put in versus the other. So you have the economic piece. And then with the lifestyle piece, I'm just going to go out and say this because I honestly believe I believe this. This has been my experience and it's how I feel, even though it may not resonate with some people. When it comes to entrepreneurship, I really believe that there is this definitive line between the people who are trying to do it with kids and the people who aren't doing it with kids. And the people <laughs> yeah. who aren't doing it with kids, like they're just not going to get it. And it's not like I blame them for not getting it. But yeah. until you've been there and you're trying to do both and you have the added stress of not just providing for yourself and being like, well, if this all goes to hell, I'll sleep in a cardboard box, whatever. I'm tough and resilient. I'll make it through and start something else. I'm not putting my kids in a cardboard box. Like it's just, there, right. there's this kind of, I have to make this work mentality. And if you're having that shared experience with somebody who doesn't have that level of motivation of a family to support, it's really tough to see eye to eye. It just, it just really is. And mm -hmm. I made it a, just kind of a, a personal uh, mission of, for, for myself that, okay, if, if, if I'm going to have a partnership, there just has to be some kind of a common ground as far as what the motivations are. And I really yeah. wanted to be a part of Spark 6. So I immediately went and had kids. So then I <laughs> didn't want any. Yeah. He just went all in. Right, I yeah. got this job. I mean, I don't even need the kids anymore. But you know, I mean, that was we were in a one of those bonus, box. like yeah. unknown, you know, positives yeah. that you didn't realize. Totally. Until, yeah. It is. It is a really great point, though. I think that commonality of where you are in life, and it's, it is that you know whether it's kids or whether it's kind of where you are in your career. Economics. Yeah, and yeah. you're just an economic position, right? It's like yeah. what, you know, what is that state? It is. It is hard when you're. Coming at it, and I've had situations like this as well, where you're coming at it and people are in two totally different places in life, right? And yeah, totally. it, it doesn't mean they're not going to give it their best, but it's just that it, you know, the, there, there's going to be that kind of lack of yeah. that 
that lack of uh, of common framework, right? Because yeah. I, your 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 uh, your example there, Eli, I think is a is a brilliant one, right? Where you know it is easy for a founder, and and I think and, and I hate to say this, but I do think some of this is with age too. Like when you're a twenty year old founder, twenty one year old founder coming straight out of college, you can do those things. You can go sleep on your buddy's floor for six months if you need to, right? You can, right. yeah. You kind of get to a later stage. Of hey, hey, you can do it as a 50 year old founder if you really want to, if you don't have a family. I mean, yeah. I've got, That's right. yeah, I've, got some, I've got some friends who are not above that at all. And yeah. they're up there. I mean, don't, they don't, don't risk it all. Yeah. I mean, if you have that advantage, you take it, right? Like, right. That's yeah, for sure. Like, you should right. do it. It's just, but... it's, just not, it's just not an option, you know, at yeah. this point in life with decisions that I've made, with decisions Eric's made. You know, sure. I, think, I think another one that everybody can relate to if they embrace this aspect of their life. And for Eric and I, it's just a big part of our ethos is I'm not going to sacrifice my my health and my physical well-being for whatever business endeavor is out there. I'm just not going to do it because it just doesn't make philosophical sense to me. Right. If I yeah. remove this substrate that gives me all of my energy, creativity, ability to work long hours when I need to, if I remove that, like as an example, uh, a couple of years ago, you know, everybody got COVID. I got hit pretty hard and I'm laying there in bed thinking like, wow, I can't do anything. You know, I can't do anything. This is what it's like to be sick, like on your ass sick, uh, not being on calls. Not You can't even like focus on the screen. You got a fever. And it's like, if you get sick, sick long term, this is what your life is going to be. And nothing really else matters. You can't you can't do anything. So when that crazy day comes and it's call after call and deliverable after deliverable, and I slack Eric and say, yeah, man, you know that meeting we're going to have? I'm not going to have it because I'm going to go work out. It's just right. like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That totally makes sense. There, there's no like discussion around it like that, that I am going to take care of myself so that I can keep playing this game just isn't in, in a, a topic that we have to discuss ad nauseum. And with some people, it really is like that could get in the way. So I think that's, you know, like Eric mentioned, those those commonalities, they're they're pretty far reaching. Totally. And Eric, you're you're a you're a daily surfer, right? I mean, you guys you guys each have these have these passions, right? And I think, you know, having that having that mutual understanding is is huge. I um totally you know, Peter, when I remember it's a good day for surf, I'm sure you're like, hey. I generally yeah. do it first thing in the morning. I mean, luckily it's like, that's when the winds are down. It's just like the least amount of crowd. And so like, you know, I'm usually there at daybreak, you know, first light which changes with the seasons and so forth, but I'm usually in the water around 6am and, you know, I'm able to be back at my desk and, you know, journaled and meditate or whatever. I get my self care and my whole routine from like five, five thirty until about nine o'clock is like when I'm doing me and then I'm prepared and I'm excited for my day. Cause I've already done all that work that I'm you know proud of. Does this sounds familiar, Greg. Yeah, I was just gonna say, man. I, I this is like one of those stories I shouldn't say publicly, um, but you know, I I mean, I had a I I had the perfect example of this, but not you know, I had the anti-example of this, right? When I was starting my last company early on, Peter and I, Peter and I trained for Ironman together. Um, we both done several Ironman, and we were training for our first one. And we were training together. And we were both starting our companies around the same time, and I I actually had a co-founder. I, we were joking about this before we, we came on the air here, but I had a co-founder who just decided to, you know, we, we were training and we were training from about six in the morning to nine in the morning every day. And you were at the office at nine, right? Just like ready to roll. 
with when, a lot of energy and focus, let me tell you, because we right. were at the gym <laughs> yeah. at like 545. Yeah. Right. Nine, like straight. So you know. decided to, uh, and co-founder decided to go to our board, yeah. our investors at the time, and kind of use this as a play to say, hey, he's not focused. He's, you know, he's out there doing these other things. We're and not. it was training for an Ironman in the morning. I mean, it didn't work out. It didn't work out well at all for that co-founder. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and the business did go on to work out really, really well, and he was not a part of it as a result. But, but again, that that the commonality of values, right? And I think that's what you guys are really saying. You've got to yeah. have shared values, right? And and yeah. I, you know, we're joking about co-founder relationships. I have had other co-founder relationships that you know were, and I have one today in my investment fund, in my venture fund that is very much based on that kind of you know, that sort of health and fitness and things, you know, we need to do for ourselves first. Right. Um, so it, it really is, I think it really is a, you know, a really big thing. So, you know, if you guys look at it, I mean, if you think about, I mean, certainly that, that commonality of values, things like that is a really important part, but you know, is this, I guess I would ask this question in two parts. Is this an advantage for most founders to have a co-founder and are there situations where it's a disadvantage? Do you think? Or is it never? Is it always a advantage? Yeah, I, I'd have to say that it really depends on the personality type of that founder. Uh, it's funny because I know people who have put their feet in both worlds alternating where they had a co-founder, then they did the solopreneur thing, then they had another co-founder did you know, and just went back and forth. And I've had a lot of discussions with both. And I think it's like anything. It's uh, the answer is yes, they're both good. They both have trade-offs. Um, and I think based on your personality type and if you are looking for that high level camaraderie and you you want it at a very intimate day to day level, you know, starting with somebody is going to be the, the move for you. If that's not something you need and some of this comes to just being uh, self-motivated as well. Right. It's uh, yep. when you're when you're being held accountable by somebody else, uh, an equity holder who is not just an investor, but somebody who's active in the business, it also really changes the dynamic of, uh, of the why you're getting out of bed and, and doing this thing, which you may not want to be doing for that day or week or month or however long that tough thing lasts, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those personal preference things that I think you can kind of drill down into the personality type of that person as well and their, and, and their work ethic. I'd also add, and I just add on top of that, like the complementary like skill sets too. Like if you're redundant with your co-founder, like I think there's going to be a heck of a lot more opportunity for conflict and disagreement and just, you know, just not at being a great thing. But if you guys have complementary aspects of the business and you're really leaning on each other, I think, you know, that's, I think probably set it more for success. Yep. So it's a good point, Eric. And, and I would ask you like something that's kind of popped up, but, what do you do when you disagree? Like when you guys, when, when Eli is just wrong, right. And you know, he's just wrong. And you know, what do you, what do you do? How do you guys, how do you guys disagree? Well, first We're, of all, I'm never wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never heard that okay. So theoretically, should Eli actually like do something that you don't agree with? Like what do you <laughs> We're both like very, I would say empathetic and just like kind of over communicators. And we're, we can both generally like feel each other out, like even before, maybe the thing's been brought up. So like one of us or the other will say, Hey, let's just, let's hash it out. And we just talk very honestly. It is like, it's very raw. It's very real. 
Um, we do so like with sensitivity, we're not going to, we don't never, we've raised our voice like in nine, 10 years, there's never been one, you know, moment where we fought like not once. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. I never thought about that. Yeah. I just, I had until I just said that at my 10 year old boy this morning and I've never yelled at you. It's wild. Yeah. We've, <laughs> yeah I, I hadn't thought of that until I was just saying, I'm like, we've never had a shout at each other. Like we just don't do it. We just talk. We're all coming from someplace, right? And we both have our goals are 100% aligned. We might have different mm-hmm. ways of how we see that happening, but we want the exact same thing. So as long as we can see eye to eye on that, and then we can talk through like where we're having a disconnect and then we just get through it. And then we kind of come out of it like even better. I think another interesting approach is when you do have those things that maybe in your gut or your experience are like, this this isn't the move. And the other person really wants to do that. And this this also comes from parenting as well is that sometimes it's just okay to let the person do that. If it, as long as it's not going to get your kid killed or kill your company or yeah. whatever it might be, uh, very often just the value in the experience of going through something mm-hmm. from start to finish, even if you don't agree with that plan or path, right. uh, it's going to turn out one of two ways. Like you were right. And that was like, not a great idea. Um, or you didn't really see it the same way that the person who had the idea was. And you're like, oh, you're pleasantly surprised. Either way, value comes out of it. You know, value comes out of it from you learn something or they learn something. And sometimes you just have to let that happen instead of uh, really trying to put your stake in the ground and saying, no, it's going to this is this is the only way we're going to do this. Yeah. Just let somebody have that experience if nothing really, really bad is going to come out of it. So another random question that came up. So. As an entrepreneur, I'm a solo entrepreneur right now. I've been for 14 years. I always gravitate to people like Greg and friends that are entrepreneurs that know what you're going through, that have shared values. Obviously, we train together. So that's pretty much all we talked about. That's how we came up with the idea to do a podcast, walking on an Ironman, our run walk, mostly walking, <laughs> finishing an Ironman together. Um, Crawling. Do you have like mentors? Do you, do you have other people that you talk to individually or together like that in, in your kind of community of entrepreneurs? Yeah, well, what's funny is Eric and I met in a community of entrepreneurs. Yeah. That's how we first met. And it's, it's, it's funny you bring this up because uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but it's, you know, this is the top of the year, right? Yeah. Everybody's talking about resolutions and reflections yeah. and lessons and everything else. One of the things that I thought about a ton at the close of 2023 reflecting back on things that had gone right, like pivotal moments in my career uh, where successes were won. I could always trace it back to people. It always came down to people. It, it If it was the job, it was through somebody I knew. If it was the big deal, it was through some relationship. And even if it didn't look like that on the surface, the more I drilled down, it always came down to people. And so I'd been thinking about that for a long time because I hadn't really been part of a group like that since Eric and I met. And uh, I recently joined another one, like a group of founders and entrepreneurs, and I'm super early in on it. So I can't really say like if it's been mind blowing or not, but just the Slack community has been amazing because you're talking to people who are going through the same things that you are having the same challenges and Man, as I, you know, as a solopreneur, I think it's even more valuable because sometimes just the exercise of talking something through with somebody who has experience and there's real context there is so valuable. Even if you don't get the answer just from a therapeutic standpoint of getting it out of your head 
and like hearing yourself say it to another human is, is, is huge. It's huge. So, Oh, I, I just, I'm, I'm like embarrassed to even think how long I went without even trying to get that back in my life. Because when Eric and I were doing it before, uh, it was a very informal started off as a small group that got bigger. And every month we would have a Sunday brunch somewhere in Los Angeles, sit around a big table and just go around and say, Hey, here's what's going well. Here's what's not going so well. Could be personal, could be business. Uh, you know, is there anybody that could help me with X? And Oh man, it was, it was awesome. Wasn't that awesome, Eric? Like it was really such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, are you still doing that or? No, it, it dissolved because at the time, you know, Eli and I were the only guys that had kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> not being very well. It's to- that's totally true, huh? And then yeah, everyone else started yeah. having them and yeah, the, the group ended it up It kind of changes, yeah. Yeah, we're still in touch. I, 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 I brought I brought like my like three-year-old daughter to a bunch of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah. brunches back then. This is going this is going back a long time ago. Um yeah. but but yeah, yeah, that's I guess that is what happened, huh? Like a bunch of people started having kids. Those Sundays became like, a, a little bit this, too difficult, yeah, for people yeah, to this get out of Sunday morning nonsense. Sunday's family time away. usually, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. One yeah. of the one of the most uh I mean there, there's there's no doubt about it, right? When you just you look at that kind of journey that founders go through and trying to do this. I see we see it all the time, right? Where founders are just like, you know, I know, I know the answers, I know and it's it's all this ego fueled pile of mess, right, that these guys end up in. And and I think, uh, you know, early on for me and actually multiple businesses ago, I mean, the biggest turning points in my career were, you know, were YEO at the time, which stood for Young Entrepreneurs Organization, which dates me. Yeah. If you know anything about YEO, it's now called yep. Entrepreneurs Organization. Um, yeah. You know, it's a global organization um, of founders. And I became then a member of YPO, for, you know, for a long time, but the whole concept of both of those, the, the sort of the linchpin of both of those organizations, and you guys are talking about it, like mastermind groups and stuff, mm-hmm. this concept of forum, right? Where it's, these are big or global organizations, but this concept of a forum where it's like six, eight, 10 people that come together on a monthly basis or whatever the time frame is, right? And those organizations, it's monthly where you can sit down and you can actually open up with, you know, in a completely confidential and vulnerable setting to say, yeah, you know, here's the shit I'm dealing with, right? This is, this is killing me. Like I need help with this. Right. And it's this enormously powerful, cathartic thing when you get six, eight, 10 brilliant minds, all kind of focusing on your problem, right? How do we, how do we kind of give you the space to solve this problem that you're having together? Um, you know, it blows me away today. And and it's, I feel sorry for those founders who are trying to do it, you know, trying to do it without that kind of support group, because just the fear, the anxiety, the chaos, you know, entrepreneurship and of what this really means, regardless of what state you're at. It's insane. You know, it's, it's the insane. same at 50 million that it was for me at 5,000, right? In yeah. NR, right? It's, it, it was no different. It's just, it's just compound, right? And having that, having that group, you know, having that community, whether it's a, a co-founder that you can really trust, but even getting outside of that and expanding that circle a little bit more is just so, so critical. It's huge. Um, I don't know why I I've, I've gone to a bunch of like EO meetings as a guest 
and Vistage meetings. And I don't know, maybe uh, like in Los Angeles, I had a really good network. I've been in Salt Lake City for four years now. And I moved just before the pandemic started. Great time to buy a house. Horrible time to meet people. Um, right. Yeah. And it just never really came back. Like just all these meetups and all the other stuff that was, you know, Silicon Slopes was just on this upward trajectory, just like we saw in Los Angeles with the whole Silicon Beach phenomenon. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's a very active scene, but just trying to get to all that in-person stuff and make those connections it really just with that reflection of this last year and going back even further, it got on my radar of I've got to do this again. Yeah. Like I've, I've got to, I've, I've got to do this again. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really cool to hear about your experience, Greg, with uh, EO as well and YPO. Um, one of my companies, we had uh, investors and board members that all knew each other from YPO and, yeah. you know, uh, my, 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 my co-founder back then and, you know, we were like super poor living in these horrible apartments in Santa Monica, uh, you know, would listen to their stories about rubbing, rubbing elbows with Navy SEALs and standing on the beaches and going through their training. And I'm like, oh, man, suck it. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want to hear about your, <laughs> your yeah, yeah. house and, and ski trips and bonding sessions. And, you know, and then it's like later on, it's like, oh, wow, that is just. I'd give anything to be a part of that now. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the important part, right, and and quite honestly, I think some of those, and I'm not talking about necessarily those two in particular, but some of those organizations do turn into more of a country club. And um, right. but you know, having that having that kind of mastermind group, right? That group of of founders who actually understand the challenges is regardless of the format, right? Whether it's a formal yeah. set like those or or it's like you guys were doing, right? It's getting together with a group of guys, you know, totally. guy, a group of people, you know, over a, over a beer once a month or over a cup of coffee right. once a week. It, it's overpriced all. Hollywood pancakes. Or that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, like you, you wrote a medium piece, I think, pretty recently, about a month ago, on surviving the as you called it, surviving the entrepreneurial marathon, right? And use this analogy of air in a container that I thought was really interesting. Talk about that a little bit. Um, probably not because I think AI wrote that. I didn't even write it. <laughs> no, I'm, <kidding. laughs> I'm not actually interview. I'm just an AI. I'm just a. I'm just a uh, avatar of a. <laughs> no, I have been. I have been consistently writing every single week, um, which is just brutal. Writing is brutal, and AI is a cool creative companion, but it is a horrible writer still, which just kind of blows me away with how much it's doing yet it still can't write something that doesn't sound like ai <laughs> like yeah it's, it's 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 pretty it's pretty funny but but yeah just conceptually uh the what it, what i was trying to get across with that was that it really will just keep expanding you know like like air in a container and 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 fill up whatever space you give it and if you don't put boundaries around that if you don't put brackets on it It'll just keep going and going and going like this hungry monster that will eat everything that you throw at it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really true. So uh, personally, uh, I am borderline obsessed with these mental models and frameworks of how to tame the worst of our human nature when put in the face of something like entrepreneurship, right? When put in the face of something that can easily consume your life, 
I'm also definitely borderline, maybe not borderline all the way like OCD where I'll just get into something and <laughs> not be able to stop thinking about it uh, to the detriment of other important things in my life. Like we talked about like exercise or being a good dad and all that other stuff instead of like, oh, I've just got to solve this problem and I'm just going to keep going at it. So finding finding ways to actually structure the day, put stops on things. Uh, it's, it's, it's a never ending work in progress for me, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Eric, do you, uh, you find any of those, you find any mental models for you that you think kind of fit that, fit that bill to try to keep the boundaries around this around I mean, ever expanding? It's a little on the nose and I'm not sure if it reads backwards before, but I wear this, it says balance. And I just ha I had it made, you know, a, a year or so ago. Um, I had another person say, well, maybe rather than balance, because that means things are equal parts. He's, he said harmony, which I really resonated with. So I, I, yeah. I just take an extra amount of time to make sure that my life is in harmony, is in balance. And again, we already talked about the health and wellness aspect, but I make sure that I'm, you know, I'm calling my mom, I'm seeing my friends. Like it, it doesn't matter if you're dying alone and desperate or in bad health. Like, so collecting the friends and it always comes back to like you when Eli said like his biggest moments in life were from relationships that he built. So it's like, that's what we, that's all we really have, you know, and I enjoy building relationships and like, I, you know, I recently took up surfing, you know, it's like five years ago, I became obsessed with it. I have about 15, like brand new best friends. I mean, I see them every morning. Yeah. If I needed anything, I could call any one of them and, you know, they would be there for me. So it's just like, you're never too old to make those connections and friends. And guess what? Business comes from it too. You know, so yep. it's kind of the, the cherry on top. Yep. Yeah. Love that. That's really cool. That's so cool. So um, in all, in, in all of your adventures in founding companies, what were, what would you pass on to another entrepreneur? Like what, what would be some of your pieces of advice you'd give them? I Besides, mean, obviously don't you've do it. done a lot of Run. Go get a What's job. That? I said, <laughs> run don't away. Do it. Okay, run. it's the same advice I would give. All right. <laughs> Stay away from this drug. It's it's addicting. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, Eli, what do you, I mean, what do you think? kind of back to that different strokes for different folks. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't for everybody. But I think the overarching theme for me has just been the the, the long the long game of it. Of it's weird looking at it now compared to when I started and where social media has gone and how it's not just one place where you're getting some messaging or like following you reading the tech crunch blog. It's, it's everywhere. It's every media platform on your computer, on your phone, everywhere. This just hustle porn, right? The hustle culture, yeah. the grind, 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 work until you're yeah. dead. The, you know, or, hey, look at my seven Lamborghinis and girls in bikinis and mansions and just, you know, the flashing stuff. And this is the dream. And it's, uh, I think, as resilient as you are or able to see what's real and what's not real, that stuff still gets in your head. And if you're part of this scene and you're still trying to learn, that's just going to be part of the culture. Right. So kind of setting up the boundaries and finding out what your own rules are and really understanding that, yes, it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be on your terms. And then you get to decide how you want to approach that hard work and what guardrails you put in place for your own life so that you don't burn out. 
like burnout is kind of like, Hey, my character died in the video game type levels of things. And I've seen it happen <laughs> right. to so many friends where it's, 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 it's not like, Oh boy, I put in 80 hours this week and man, I'm going to have to just take the weekend off and recover. It's like, no, I'm going to just walk away from everything, put on a backpack and go to Europe for a couple months. Like that's a real story from, you know, right, a friend yeah. I had that just oh, yeah. reached that implosion point. Like it's, yeah. it's, it, and it's something that it's, it's, you don't always feel it coming. Sometimes it just blindsides people and they yeah. realize that they've been on this unsustainable trajectory and now it's too late yeah. and now it's too late. So yeah, I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking about that. And, and, and I'm trying, and, and I'm always trying to take whatever I learn and works for me. And that's, I'll leave with that caveat. Hey, works for me. I'm just going to share what works for me and just tell people about that. You know, if I, if I yeah. learn something new or if I'm even, even if I, even if I don't know if it's really going to work for me yet, but I'm like, Ooh, this, it is this now. seems, this seems good. Like this, this, this would work in theory. I think I'm going to try this and then I'll just share that. And then, yeah. you know, my hope is that yes. some other fool will jump along with me on that journey and I can see if it works for them as well. So always I've never stuff done like that. that. I can tell you about a super nerdy one that I'm uh, experimenting with right now where uh, I had I had a, a, a breakfast with a friend in LA who's been in this game as long as I have lots of different companies has hit burnout before and has always struggled with just the wellness part of it so when we get together she's always like hey should I be eating this and should I be doing this and yeah it's like where the conversation goes she said, Hey, I'm trying this new thing where I have all this stuff to do with my business all the time. And then I find that when I just take the little bit of time for myself to do a workout or go to a yoga class or something, the whole time I'm thinking like, Oh, I should be, you know, getting back to these people or replying to this email or recording this podcast, whatever it is. She said, so I decided that, you know, I have these different characters for myself, you know, this is my athlete time and nothing's going to interrupt my athlete time. And I decide how many hours a week that's going to be. And then that's my athlete time. I was just like, Oh, I kind of, I kind of love this because yeah. as the software nerd, I'm like, these are personas. These are user personas. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, got, I've got my athlete persona. I've got my dad persona. I've, I've, I've got my entrepreneur persona, you know? And, and so I started to wonder, well, what does my time allocation look like? Or what do I want it to look like? So I just spun up this Google sheet with all the different personas I could think of, trying to keep it relatively high level, and then put in percentages, and then plotted that against my waking hours and saw what those percentages look like against the actuals. And it was funny because something like wellness, where I'm like, oh, I'm all about wellness, and you got to do this every day. And you know, I'm like, well, what percentage of my waking time do I really focus on wellness? It's like nothing. It was like, right. <laughs> like, like 3%, 4%, you know, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, you think it's wow, massive, but it's really, could nice. I put a little more into that? So mm -hmm. I, I took it, I took that to the next level and I was using a, uh, a Chrome extension called paver that plugs into your Google calendar and lets you color code these different, different calendar events. And by doing so, we'll then give you these roll-up analytics of what those events look like proportionally. So now at the end of every day, I'm trying to take 10 or 15 minutes to close out that day and look at my calendar plan versus the actual, shore it up to the actuals. And then at the end of the month, look at the analytics and say, how close did I land to what I wanted to do in terms of how I'm spending my time? And who says he's got OCD? Nobody says he's got OCD. 
Crazy. Greg is taking notes and he's literally he's... going to start doing this. And he's... I know in like a week he'll be like, dude, I got this. You got to try this. And you're, I'm going to send you the thing. Like, here, I'm going to set up. He's like, what, totally. was Chrome, what was that Chrome extension? No, no, this is totally <laughs> up to your CD This is like, but you're like this is that becomes a time allocation to like, do that. Though. What's that, that becomes a percentage. That becomes a percentage of his day that he needs to account for. Right. It. Yeah, it's totally. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. This is exactly. this is not good for OCD. This is not this is not like recommended protocol by my therapist. No, but Greg is. I guarantee you, I'm going to email you, and Greg's doing this. Yeah, he's going to do that. There's no there's no doubt about it. My mind's racing. All right, like what does this actually look like for me? Right. That's mm. I, I love I love that concept. Right? He's of an the, analytics guy, man. Of the uh, of the personas, though. I mean, it because we're not one person, right? I mean, we're not this no. sort of. You know, and, and and I think that's what ends up happening. You talk about founders, and I think that that is what ends up happening with this founder. Yeah. It tries to crowd oh, yeah. out everything else, right? Back to your air and the yeah. consumer analogy. Tries to own everything. Right? Just tries to own yeah. everything, and yeah, that's the thing. Unless you do something to really try to understand that, that it is not, and it should not be your entire identity, right? Because that's where the real shitstorm hits down the road, right? When it becomes, yeah, sure. you have literally sacrificed your entire life to that entrepreneurial journey. You get to the end of that, whatever it is, you guys are exiting Spark Cynics. I exit, another, you know, like whatever it is that the founder is exiting, suddenly when it has taken over that entire container, as you, you know, in your analogy, you're screwed. Right. Right. Because that's what everybody thinks. That's what everybody thinks on their deathbed is. I wish I put some more hours into staring at this goddamn box of lights on my desk. That's right. Like I wish I, I wish I, I wish I did more of that. Like, right, but that becomes right, founder identity, right? Where it takes over. For sure. Else. Yeah. Suddenly you exit because it these does. things are ultimately like maybe they're fifteen year runs, maybe they're twenty year, maybe they're three year. Right. It doesn't make any difference. It's just yeah. you get to the end of that run, and all of a sudden, if that's your entire identity, you have no identity. Right. right. Or if it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. Right. Ouch. That's really your ego right. just kind of splays open at that point. Right. Like yeah, it, it's, you're not, it's, right. it's you're brutal. Not Eric the surfer. You're not Eli the dad. You're not, you know, Peter the the Iron Man triathlete. You're, you're, you're I was waiting to hear what you're going to say. Oh, I was trying to think. Like, this is going to get good. <laughs> but I'm trying to keep it. The, uh, Wait, the, the, you know, that, but that's the thing, right? And then you, you lose that. You have none of that left. And you're just basically, you know, Greg, the founder and Greg, the founder exits his company. And now you're nobody, right? And, For sure. In your mind, right? Not in reality. Yeah. Yeah, right. you've 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 heard this. You've heard this, like how uh, people are just inherently bad at trying to predict how much time is something going to take, right? Like, right. Yeah. there's like this. I've, I I don't know where I heard this, but this general rule of thumb of oh, you think building out that Google sheet is going to take you uh, two hours? Add 50% onto that and you're going to get a little more accurate, right? right. So <laughs> make it make it three and you're going to get closer. Whatever, whatever your brain says this is going to take, add 50% onto it and it's going to make your life a lot better. I think people are just as bad at reflecting and, and figuring out how they spent their time. It's almost, it's, it's almost like that whole thing with memory where you can ask two people who witnessed the same thing to then recount it in their memory. And there are completely different experiences. And we do that to ourselves with our own little split personas all the time of like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I'm a good dad. I totally spent time with my kids. 
like right. I did this and this and this, and it gosh had to be at least like 30% of my time. Yeah. I want to know the numbers, you know, like right. I want to, I I'm spending just a little bit of time every single day going back and being like, Oh, this was the family time I allocated. Just kidding. This came up and I just had to finish it. And then I didn't get to do my workout in the morning. So now I'm going to do it at night. And then, so I didn't do that with my kid. And, uh, I just ordered in food. I didn't make dinner. And it's like, Oh, my family time just shrunk down to 20% of what I had planned at the end of the month. I want to know what those numbers are because I don't trust myself to really have an accurate reflection of what they were, of what the actuals were. And, well, and the, the purpose is to make a change in what you're doing or try to research. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exa yeah. Exactly. To just have like an honest reflection of what's happening yeah. instead of the per per perceived memory of what probably really didn't happen. Yeah. Well, we got we to gotta wrap it up. Um, but uh, just so you guys know, you've wrapped the rest of my week now because I'm going to, I'm literally a hundred percent of my week is going to be trying to quantify the first half of my week and last week and everything else. So, well, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to bust this all out on like a massive blog post I'm working on, but I really wanted to have the screenshots and the data and just a fair trial run. I prototyped this whole thing, like the end of November last year and started working on it. And now it's really hitting a groove. So once I have the graphs and charts to reference, just to make it look more cool. Well, this will go live in a, couple, in a few, in probably three weeks or so. So if you get it between now and then, we can get the screenshots in here. That, there you go. Yeah. Definitely cool. have it by so, then. So uh, guys, just to wrap it up, um, I mean, this is literally, we could go on for three, four hours. Like, you know, th this is sure. part of the thing that Peter and I love about doing this. It is like we talk about community and we talk, you know, we talk about like building that, that sort of, and, and this is like, these kind of interviews are, this is our community, right? Like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what makes this so much fun. The, so this one is, of the best parts of my day. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. So this is, this is awesome. And, uh, and we could certainly go on and on. So how, how do people reach you guys if they want to connect with you about what you're doing at either Vouchful, if they want you to connect, you know, about Spark 6 and, just want to learn more about it. What's the best way to to contact you guys? Yeah, they can they can visit either of our our websites, vouchvault.com or spark6 with the number 6.com and um, they can always reach out to me directly at either of those. I'm Eric E R I C at spark6.com or Eric at vouchvault and uh, yeah. Man, that's, that's really oh. no way am I giving out my email address, but uh, <laughs> they figure it out anyway. I'm sure you can't guess it now. I have I have doubled down on LinkedIn. I ignored LinkedIn for like a decade and I'm publishing to LinkedIn every single day now and cool. super active on it. Uh, so yeah, Elijah Sauce, Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H-S-Z-A-S-Z. -S 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 I'm betting I'm the only one with that spelling on LinkedIn so you can find me easily. I'd be happy to connect with anybody. Got it. Wait, spell one more time. S -Z -E. It's S like Sam, Z like zebra, A like apple, S like Sam, and another Z because those Hungarians love to throw random consonants into was, words that need a vowel. Yeah. You, are, you are legitimately the first person I've ever met with two Zs in their name. Um, right? My middle name is Zachary, technically three. So That's, yeah. that's not easy to accomplish. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, put the, we'll put the links on the, uh, on the show notes. Um, awesome. And uh, well, it, guys, this is, uh, this is super fun. Um, I think there's you know, a huge amount of takeaways here for, uh, for founders. So really, really uh, appreciate you guys being on. And, um, and the other the other thing is uh, Vouchfall. You can download it. I think also if you want to play with it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, yeah. And free in the Apple App Store, Apple. free in Google Play. All right, we will um, 
we will get it. Uh, we'll get those links on there as well. Um, but uh, but awesome to have you guys. Look forward to uh, look forward to having us and in, uh, in doing this and doing this again. So I'll uh, see you on the next edition of uh, yeah. the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Good to see you.